start video transmission and here here we go gabby we are live it's official it's we are official. live again we are live and alive live and alive thank god and welcome everybody this is i'm gabby this is mateus we are here in the second episode of our series of four lives four different lives that we prepared carefully to demystify some things you heard about learning English and expose finally what nobody tells you about learning English, right? This episode is dedicated to instruct and clarify uh, your ideas when it comes to learning grammar, studying grammar. And here we go. That's it. Hi, Mateus. Hi, Gabi. <laughs> we hope that you enjoy this live, guys. If you have any uh, concerns about grammar, please leave a comment already in the chat. Say hello. Say that you are there. We want to know you are also alive watching us. And I would like to uh, begin by asking you, Mateus, uh, what exactly... Uh, makes grammar a thing like why why is it a thing when we learn a language is it as as important as everybody everybody thinks it is uh-huh all right gabby so let's begin uh my first uh idea my first commentary is about understanding the nature of grammar because language precedes grammar and grammar succeeds language so, because we have a language, we have grammar. Grammar is nothing more than uh, what some academics um, identified, some patterns that academics identify, linguists identified in that language, um, based on how people use it. So, by um, people using the language, we can identify that some patterns exist, some patterns occur of when we, uh, we use uh, the language, um, how we use the language. So this uh, combination of when we use the language and how we use the language is what grammar fundamentally is. Uh, therefore, grammar is a combination of rules. It is the structure, it is the backbone of the language. It gives the language its form. Yes. Uh, so grammar, in a way, it is like the, the rules of traffic, right? That you, that you are driving and then you need to um, know what this sign represents or um, when the, the traffic light is red, what you do and how you react to that. So, grammar fundamentally is a series of rules that they structure the language. Nonetheless, we should remember that language generates grammar and not the opposite. Uh, we do not have grammar generating language. Grammar is a consequence of using the language. Well, I, I love when you say that because I know how important it is for 
everyone who's watching us and our alpinists as well, all the community online that uh, that follows us, I think they must know that. But why why are we saying that to them? Why are we saying that first there's the language and only then there's grammar? What is the the the, the importance of letting it really clear? Mm-hmm. Um, there are several reasons, I would say, why that's important. One of them, it is to understand that grammar is relevant, yes, to the development of the languages. Uh, getting in touch with grammar might help, but we should be careful not to let grammar limit our contact with the language because... First, we've got the language, we've got words, we've got the the vocabulary, expressions, uh, we've got um, the possibility of auditory stimulus, visual stimulus. So, by the usage of language, we can also enhance our grammar. So, this is factor number one. Factor number two, it is simply to remember that we have passed through this process of, for example, since we we are Brazilians, uh, our mother language is Portuguese, right? Um, So it's it's Brazilian Portuguese. Brazilian Brazilian Portuguese. And um, so uh, when we were kids, when we were children, we we didn't have a, a guidebook that every time we, w- we wanted to say something, we verified the, the manual, the grammar book, and then only then we would say something. No, we were uh, seeing things uh, mistakenly. We were maybe uh, changing structures. We were uh, improvising with what we, we have got. And then uh, only when we were seven, eight, nine years old, we begun the study of the grammar, right? So first we learned how to speak. Uh, even though it was not perfect, we learned how to speak. So, th- so only after we um, increased our comprehension about the rules that guide the linguistic use. And let's remember how it began to happen, right? I remember that, I don't know, I I hope everyone's experience has been sort of like the same way, but uh, when you're a kid and you're learning about grammar uh, structures and you begin to study about it or, or even even before you your first day at school, let's say when you are six or five, I don't know, uh, uh, your family tries to help you not to make so so many mistakes in terms of grammar, right? I, I know that in our mother language, it would be incorrect to construct the sentence like, ah, uh, for me to do something, and this is correct in English, by the way, but for me to do, we should say in Portuguese for I to do, we use the subject pronoun instead. And I remember my family always telling me the right way and never they never said oh you cannot say for me to do you cannot say this way this is wrong uh, and say no no to me to my face they would always tell me the right the correct way and i think that 
that it's that that can be better, right? Than than uh, being um, I don't know, uh, being told that you are wrong. Yeah, the... uh, having the grammar shoved in your face. Yeah. Well, uh, we will get to this point, but what I could advance is grammar is something that shouldn't be so prohibitive, right? Or being so afraid of committing grammatical mistakes because they happen, and they happen a lot, especially when speaking. But uh, I would also uh, like to continue this um, commentary, this introduction, by talking about learning English in learning languages. Because um, both Gabi and I, we have studied, we have taught classes in different schools, so we have had some considerable experience with different methodologies, and then with our specialization, we have seen um, different ways to approach the language and also how that happened uh, throughout history, right? So how this development of grammar, uh, the relationship of learning the language and grammar evolved throughout history. And then, um, what I would like to mention is this pendulum that happens because we have courses and methodologies that they go either 100% grammar, so they are obsessed by grammar, they are obsessed by grammar rules, they are obsessed by uh, the structure, and they get limited by that. Um, and then we could mention, for example, the case of French. French, for every rule you learn, there are a bunch of exceptions that you should take into consideration. So, uh, the rule doesn't necessarily apply to every single situation. There are some exceptions, right? So, when you focus obsessively on grammar, you, you enter fundamentally in a rabbit hole that has no end. Because once you learn something, the abstract structure of how to use it, you need also to learn the exceptions that are connected with it. So this is one perspective. Courses and methodologies that they are 100% grammar. Can I, can I make some observation about that? Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have already taught many students that came from this background, like they were, they were really obsessed about grammar rules. And I could notice that because every time that I would tell them um, about a, a simple rule, like, for example, ah, uh, you, you need to use this auxiliary because this is an action verb in the basal form. Okay, then they get that for life, forever. Like, oh my God, I, okay, so I always do that every time there is, uh, an action verb in the base form, I use this auxiliary. So they end up, uh, um, I don't know, they end up stuck. Becoming, yeah, exactly. It, it, the, um, so because see, it's not always like that. Yeah, it, it is the case that grammar becomes prohibitive, right? It, it becomes limiting. And this is no good. Um, on the other perspective, we have methodologies and courses that they completely ignore grammar and they um 
and also some uh, teachers online, some courses online, they promise you that you will be fluent in the language just by listening. And then, uh, so no grammar, just pure exposition will be enough. And then what I would have to say about this is that that's not always the case, especially for people that are um, that they need to start using the language. Uh, uh, as we spoke previously, that grammar is the structure, it is the form of the language. If you are just exposed to the language without any idea of the background of it, about the uh, what is behind the curtains, your English can become a little bit... Um, flabby, it can become a little uh, bit disjointed, it can become uh, formless without an exact form that everything um, is together, everything is mixed, and this can become confusing to the learner, right? So we see that uh, obsession with not having grammar in any case can also become um, a defect because then we go we have deficiency in one we have excess of grammar obsession with grammar on the other it is a deficiency of form it is a deficiency of structure so that's why we are having this conversation because we will present the arguments for and against grammar so how grammar should be used why it is relevant, and on the other hand, how grammar can become, instead of a, a, a helper, it can become an obstacle. And then we will synthesize this into a suggestion of how we can um, study English and become fluent in the language uh, and even this reflection is not only for English, but we will contextualize for that. It can serve for any language. Um, and how we can approach grammar in our stimulus with the language. Yeah, yeah. While you were speaking, I... Anyways, guys, so before I, I comment what I will comment, uh, stick here, stick to, to this live, stay here until the end, because... We will find a way to help you out and, and suggest some, some alternatives not to be either uh, obsessed and uh, paranoid about grammar no, uh, or, uh, I don't know, with a, a grammar deficiency, as Mateus has just said. Yeah, like formless. Like formless yeah, language. Yeah, without, something. A, without a shape, like something like a, like a, a gel. Exactly, or, like a, an amoeba. Yeah, well, what, slime, like yeah. slime. You don't want your English to look to like slime. Like a slime, yeah. <laughs> Something formless yeah. and shapeless. And, and by the way, I, I have noticed, because they all come to us, right? After having traveled abroad, lived abroad, uh, experienced uh, studying in other language courses, these students, these language learners, they come to us to to speak now's academy, and and they um, and they just want to find a way to 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 give a shape to their English because their English is 
not in shape, not in good shape. They know, they, they are familiar, are very familiar sometimes with the language. They like to express themselves in English. They sound good. Yeah, they sometimes have a good pronunciation. But still they are so hesitant. Yeah, they are so afraid because they were never um, uh, focusing on understanding the structures and why they are far and and I, I believe this is really for for both cases. If you are obsessed with grammar and you are learning English, or if you are eliminating grammar of your life with that fixed mindset that you will never need it, stay here because we have a solution for you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it is. This idea, let us, um, the first part of our conversation is this introduction of discussing what grammar is and um, this idea of deficiency and excess concerning grammar. And now we move forward to the second part of our, uh, our argument that it is to think about uh, arguments that are pro-grammar. They... They mm -hmm. say why grammar is relevant and why grammar is something that you should at least consider, have some contact with, be in touch. Exactly. Uh, the first one, Gabi, is this idea that, especially for beginners, grammar can help in comprehension. Uh, grammar can help in comprehending what's going on fundamentally. Why we say things the way we say. Why we construct the sentence with I am fine. Uh, so the person can know, can feel more secure um, being in contact with the language because since grammar increases the possibility of comprehend what, is the, uh, what the person um, is interacting with, the person feels more confident, yes? So, grammar helps in comprehending more what we use, how we use, and when we use. Uh, we have some comments in the chat. <laughs> Hello, guys. Uh, Mateus and Angela, they are here. They are watching us uh, since the beginning. Kisses, Mateus Kisses in, in your heart. Uh huh, and they have and they have some some interesting comments. I would like to bring to you, Mateus. Uh, Angela asked her uh, if if her English is no amoeba, if she's an amoeba, if her English is amoeba, like. <laughs> and I said no, because she is uh, she is getting uh, little by little more familiar with the grammar structures, right? She's in still in a in the in a beginner level of of acquiring the language mm -hmm. and yeah what i would say actually that the amoeba english yeah is not usually in the beginning um i believe yeah, well... that amoeba is more for people that they have uh, uh got in touch with the language usually through games usually through uh movies series uh, they have got in touch with the language they know some words, they know how to construct, but they do not know exactly what is going on. Yeah. Right? Why they are saying this, um, when to use that. 
It's so, like you are intermediate, but you still you are still not sure. Yeah, you have advanced some levels in English, yeah. but then the base, the structure is still uh, created on a very uh, slippery terrain. It's something exactly. that can. It, it is a. It's similar to a um, a castle of cards. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, a house of cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, serious suggestion, everybody. Serious, wow, it's an amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so um, it is this idea of um, it's it's very weak the structure, it's very weak the construction. Uh, then this is is what would I uh, what I would call a moeba English that it is mm -hmm. formless, shapeless. Not that this is uh, necessarily bad. That's not my idea. It mm -hmm. is that if the person that has this vocabulary and has, for example, this castle of cards, focuses a little bit on grammar, it will uh, substantially potentialize what the person already knows. Because grammar can potentialize what you know. Grammar can become a limiter, depending how you use it, but it can certainly potentialize your development in the language. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and this, Gabi, brings us to our second argument for uh -huh. grammar, pro-grammar. Uh, pro-grammar, like a... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, trying to defend, yeah, why we why grammar is relevant. Why... Yes, yeah. we are focusing now on why grammar is relevant, and after we will focus on how grammar can be dangerous. So, <laughs> the first argument is that uh, grammar helps in comprehension, um, and then in second, grammar uh, can provide um, the student, the alpinist, the individual with structure, as we have been saying and variety mm -hmm. uh, because then the person is not limited to one type of communication just speaking the present for example mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, or just using will for the future but the person is familiar to how to use the uh, talk how to talk about routine and then the person will use simple present how the person can talk about things that she think will happen using the the model verb will, uh, objectives that the person has in plans so that the person knows how to use I'm going to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, how to talk about past, how to talk about overlapping actions, how to compare, contrast. So then the person develops variety mm -hmm. of argumentation. It's mm -hmm. not simply a, a, a really... Mm, unidimensional use of the language because you can mm -hmm. build vocabulary, build vocabulary, build vocabulary and exposition and not know exactly how to put this together. Mm -hmm. so this then, happens a lot. This, uh, the grammar will help you organizing this. It will help harmonizing this on your mind. Mm -hmm. and, and feel a solid a solid base on which you can construct uh, your ideas to express yourself. Uh, I, I see this happening a lot in the in the beginning of the openness journey. Everybody feels uh, everybody who already had had some English before had already studied, uh, but still feels 
a lot insecure or 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 repetitive yeah it's always repeating the same structures that are more comfortable for for them and they and this is okay you know but i i mean as as we could say in french you develop more repertoire yeah more repertoire yeah a more variety as you said exactly exactly and uh, Matheus Martins has uh, made another really interesting comment. He said that uh, I, I believe you have already uh, you have uh, suggested, as we always do, we suggest people to do exactly what he said he does. Uh, he studies grammar. He said, uh, when I study grammar, I write the structure of what I studied in my uh, with my daily life. Exactly, exactly. Mateus um, is already showing us how we can use grammar. Uh, this idea of when we, when grammar becomes um, internalized. But let's not put the the cart before the the, the horses. Exactly, we will, we will get there. And, we will get um, there. Uh, the last argument for for programmer. So the first one it is, it helps in the comprehension. Second, it gives you a structure and variety in your argumentation. And third, uh, it, uh, and now the third argument, why grammar is important, it is this idea that it gives you the foundation, right? It solidifies the foundation. It is, for example, building, um, constructing a building, right? A building mm -hmm. with some floors or a house. You will mm -hmm. need the structure, Right? You will yeah. need some pillars to sustain the material that will cover it. Maybe it's made of wood, maybe it's made of uh, concrete, may maybe it's made of bricks. Mm -hmm. But you will need the foundation to sustain the structure, mm -hmm. right? to sustain the continuation in the resistance of the house. Otherwise, the house as the story of the three little pigs. The first <laughs> little pig, he uh, he built a house that was made of... Do you remember? Uh, of hay. Yeah, and the second one made a house made of... Made wood, of wood. Of Yeah, of branches, I think. Sticks? Sticks? Not, yeah. I don't remember. There are different versions for yeah, the story. And but... the last one, he built a house that was... Made of brick. Uh, made of brick with concrete. So it was yeah. it had a strong uh, foundation. And when the wolf came, that house was not destroyed. So this is what I think can happen with people that do not focus any attention on structure. When the wolf appears, the wolf would be the situation that they need to use the language mm -hmm. for real, with a for real, real person in a job interview, um, you know, while they are traveling, or when they find the need, mm -hmm. they can get stuck, because, or, or they can feel a little bit afraid. Mm -hmm. Paralyzed. The, the, the foundations <laughs> will help. So that's why grammar yeah. is important. It gives us the foundation to understand what we are doing. And I also believe, Gabi, that studying grammar, if you study it correctly, saves you time yeah and makes you more confident as yeah, well and it saves you time in the development of the language because mm -hmm. instead of needing 
six months to learn a series of structures uh, through passive exposition, mm -hmm. you condense that in maybe two months. Mm -hmm. right? So that, I believe, it can help. So then we conclude here our arguments for grammar, prove yeah. grammar, why grammar is relevant. Commentaries, Gabi? Uh, I, I guess we could move on and point out the negative aspects of studying grammar. As we said in the beginning, there are a few, and we should also pay attention to that. Because, of course, grammar will give you more variety, more confidence. Uh, it will give you a solid structure on which you can build uh, up your, your ideas and in real situations give you um, uh, less hesitation to express yourself. You will feel more ready. If you, if you study grammar in the right way, by the end of the live, we will tell you some, we will give you some suggestions on how to do that. Mm -hmm. But first, I think it's really necessary to point out the... The dangers. The dangers of yes. grammar, how it can become your enemy. Because yeah. you cannot, and this is the answer to the title of the episode today. Yeah, you cannot learn English just by studying grammar. Exactly. Uh, that is that common saying... That popular saying, the difference between medicine and poison is the quantity, not the substance. So, the same thing help, happens with grammar. Grammar can be a medicine, but it can also be poison. So, why grammar... Now, uh, the, the, the argument that we discussed previously, why grammar is important, and now is... Um, how grammar can be dangerous, yes? And the first part, um, the first argument on this next stage of our reflection concerns two types of uh, uh, language, uh, of interaction with the language, two types of people. The first one is what we call language knowers. They, they know, know about, the language. They know about the language. They know what is present perfect. They know what is a noun. They, they know what is... Simple present, they know what is an auxiliary verb. They Do know you what relate, is an guys? Verb. Do you think you are this this person? You know about the, the but, rules, but, the no, rules? but they need to know what are the, the other type. What the, of course, yeah, yeah. Because you can know all of this and not necessarily be a language knower. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea is a language knower is someone that knows the structure that is familiar with the backgrounds of the language, but this person does not know how to use it. Uh, it is a, a very common symptom uh, mm -hmm. of students that we receive that they have studied in their high school, mm -hmm. uh, where the teacher presented, the teacher was presenting past perfect for them. Advanced structures. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, when I was finishing my university, I participated during my internship. Mm -hmm. I participated in a high school that the teacher was teaching them past perfect, but they couldn't even speak in English. Like say their names, their, their, where they were from. No, and they, they were afraid. They were really afraid of 
using the language. But mm -hmm. she was teaching them a, a, an advanced structure mm -hmm. without having them even produce on the basic ones. So then they were studying and they were becoming language knowers. This is a language knower. Mm -hmm. The other type of people, it is the language user. And this is different. The language user is a person that you can know the rules. You can know what is an auxiliary verb. You can know what is a, a, a model verb. You can know the structures. But your objective is not simply to know. Your objective is to use. And knowing that helps you in your practice. Uh, so returning to the previous example, we could say that um, a language user could be studying past perfect, but because it was already in the necessity of mm -hmm. using that structure. Because I believe, Gabi, that necessity precedes the development of the grammar. I think the person needs to feel the necessity or needs to feel uh, some sort of discomfort to think, well, with what I know now, it's not being possible to produce what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Then, this necessity will guide you to a specific structure. And then once you learn that, there you've got variety. Because mm -hmm. it was not simply to know abstractly the rule. But it was for you to increment your mm -hmm. usage of the language. Then, in this case, you are a language user. That mm -hmm. you use the language and then you learn the grammar to increase your usage. It is like when we are playing games. To be able to use for specific purposes yeah, of communication. Mm. You need to communicate that thing. Yeah, it is like playing a game. Uh -huh. um, we are playing the game and maybe we know the basic commands. Uh-huh. But we want now to know more. We know maybe how, if we are playing soccer, Mateus Martins, <laughs> this argument is for you. If we are playing FIFA, for example, uh -huh. and um, we maybe we, we want to know how we can kick the ball a little bit differently, mm -hmm. or how we can make um, some tricks. Uh -huh. yeah? Or if we are playing a game as The Sims, Gabi, for, for you that you enjoy. I love it. Yeah, I learned a lot of English from it. You, you want to know how you can build a part of the house differently or mm -hmm. how you can design that differently because the usage of that uh, in a way asked you to become mm -hmm. better. This is a language user, not a language learner. All right, guys. So now you can comment then in the chat, which do you think you relate more to? Do you think you, you, you study a lot about many different structures? You, you know about that grammar structure, you know why it is for, but still you have no, uh, no, um, motivation, opportunity. sorry, motivation, necessity. You have no necessity to use it in any moment and you because of that maybe yeah you, you you don't have the chance to experiment and check if you can really use it or or are you the english uh, the language user yeah you you experience 
necessity to use to say something to explain something and then if you if you don't know you learn that grammar that will allow you to say that uh one or two yeah number one grammar grammar uh, knower number two grammar user which are you you can comment in the chat i think i i uh, most of the alpinists i guess I believe all the alpinists that are here are language users because, I mean, the name of the academy says everything, right? We 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 immediately find in the lessons a necessity to communicate something, and from that point on, we learn how to use a structure to accomplish that objective. Uh, do you think when you were learning English, Mateus, do you think you were more a knower or a user? Uh, uh, when I was learning um, the language, I, I think I've, I've always been a user. Yeah. Because I was always in touch with the language and then w watching things. And w when I started studying the language uh, per se in an mm -hmm. English course... Uh, the methodology provided me with the tools also to practice the language uh, and use it, right? And I, I was always wanting to know more because I wanted to speak differently. And I remember once I learned a structure, in a structure, I would use that repeated times a lot until I was, uh, until I absorbed, until I acquired that. But then, Gabi, let's continue. Otherwise, we won't be able to uh, wrap up our reflection. The All second right. um, part, so the first one, why, uh, how grammar can be dangerous, it is the difference between to know, the, to know about the language yeah. and know how to use the language, right? Two different things. Know about language user, uh, language knower. To know how to use it, language user. So, mm -hmm. Try to be always a language user, not simply a language knower. Yeah, and the next one is a little bit related to what we said in the beginning, yeah, about being obsessed with the grammar rules and, and how it can stop you from expressing yourself. Yeah, you can be a lot hesitant. But not only that, uh, I mean... What are the other problems of being obsessed with, with grammar? Yeah, uh, uh, so this is uh, connected with the idea of um, being obsessed with grammar generates perfectionism of wanting to speak perfectly all the time. And, uh, of course... Uh, perfection is something that we should aim at, right? We should mm -hmm. want to become better and better and better in what we do. But then this can also become um, this can become a paranoiac compulsion for being perfect. And uh, people that follow this are usually people that they are really afraid of committing mistakes. However, yeah. Committing mistakes is fundamental, right? Because if you are afraid to commit mistakes, if you're afraid of committing mistakes, you will you will try to avoid them. But by avoiding them, you limit the experimental 
relationship, the playful spirit, the creative usage of the language, because this is also what will make you feel, uh, what will make you learn more, what will make you speak better. It is this, uh, in a way, childlike experimentation, this playful interaction of, ah, I want to speak like this, or maybe I want to start using uh, this kind of expression, right? And if you are uh, paralyzed by fear of committing mistakes, you will... Um, Shiver. Yeah, you will interact with the language maybe in a too serious manner, maybe mm -hmm. too afraid, feeling, you want to feel too secure, and that's okay, it's fine to... Uh, respect also uh, your limits a little, to respect your time, to have patience with yourself. However, yeah, we need to be careful not to build a bubble mm. of uh, fake perfectionism, because perfectionism in reality does not exist. Perfection. There's no such a thing as, as someone who can speak English perfectly, right? Exactly. Uh, natives commit mistakes Fluent people commit mistakes, and that's completely fine. That's mm -hmm. completely fine. So uh, that's why studying just grammar, the second part of studying just grammar can be dangerous. It generates fear of committing mistakes. It generates a person that is that wants to be too perfectionist, and this person wants to, uh, this person needs to let it go a little, to relax a little, to develop you know the the playful spirit yeah exactly yeah exactly. And, and this is something that we try to do as teachers as well i believe when okay. someone says oh i'm sorry like i made a mistake i'm a student right and i made a mistake and i say oh sorry i i forgot the third person or oh sorry i forgot the verb to be oh sorry i forgot the word no man i mean you don't need to be sorry this is Okay, really, but nobody ever told them so. So when you are in school, people tell you that making mistakes is wrong. Yeah, if you if you don't know something, you are dumb. You are less intelligent, and we are uh, we absorb that somehow. I mean, inevitably, we we come from this background. Yeah, this is school time. Uh, is still haunting haunting us. <laughs> I guess um, since we were little, we were told that this is not correct. You should do this correctly. It's incorrect. Wrong, wrong. Wrong is bad, but wrong is part of the process. Exactly. To become a master in something, to become advanced in something, uh, the path is full of mistakes. And yeah. then uh, to conclude this idea of how grammar can be uh, dangerous, it is uh, the the third argument is people that they are obsessed with grammar and they are limited by grammar, they consider studying the language as uh, an obligation. They consider it as a uh, something that is they need to do and something that is not good, something that is not fun because studying grammar, just studying grammar, is very boring. It is. Yeah. Uh, uh, extremely disstimulating, right? So that's the third argument. Studying grammar can be uh, incredibly boring. Studying just grammar, 
recontextualized, a grammar that is not connected with you, a grammar that you do not want, that you don't feel the necessity to use, that does not generate You cannot study it just because. Yeah, you should not study a grammar structure just because. Exactly. Yeah. You, you need to have a reason. You need to have a purpose why you are doing that. The most important things when learning a language are two things. Motivation and self-discipline. Mm -hmm. Motivation to understand where you want to get, why you are doing this, and how that will help you in your life, both personal and professional. And on the other hand, it is self-discipline. Self-discipline to every day, for a series of days, for a considerable time, uh, separating a time of your life to sit at your desk with your notebook, with your laptop or computer, with your tablet or phone, whatever it is, and diving into that and uh, focusing into that for at least at least 30 minutes every day with the ideal being 40 to 50 minutes. That's self-discipline, which is fundamental. So motivation to know where you want to get and why that's important and how you will benefit from that. And also making the study fun, making the study fun. interesting because it's easier to be motivated to do something when we are having fun doing that. It's very hard to be motivated to do something if we are not enjoying the process. Or if we don't know why we're doing that first. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, if you have low motivation, you need to have an incredibly high self-discipline, which mm -hmm. people normally don't have. So you should balance a little bit of discipline, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of discipline. Motivation, discipline. Motivation to look to the future and uh, feel the emotion of how that will be positive and discipline to sacrifice maybe um, activities that they are easier, they are more comfortable to go there, study, challenge yourself intellectually, challenge yourself linguistically and become better and better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. I, I guess... Uh, probably if you are watching us, you ha have already heard something almost like that in your life. Like you need to have motivation to study or you need to have self-discipline self to study. But how those two things can uh, feed each other maybe this is something that nobody ever told you and we are doing that specifically in, in this second episode of the series, what no one tells you about learning English. Well, exactly. If, if you think about that, right? If you, if you have the self-discipline, that little time that you reserve and you study and you, oh my gosh, and you challenge yourself and you finally do something that you expect, didn't even expect you could do. Like you, you, uh, you overcome something that was before a barrier for you, 
in the language. Now you can do it. For example, you could record a video talking about your life, talking about yourself or talking about the place where you live. Then you get motivation from having done that. Uh, I mean, you don't need uh, a lot to continue motivated. You need to take uh, baby steps or, or a little a little every day will make you more motivated. And being more motivated will consequently make you more self-disciplined. There's no much of a, a, a secret in that, but, but that's a secret formula for some. Exactly, I completely agree with <laughs> this. Mixture, uh, uh, mixing the ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. Motivation will take you a long way, but not, uh, but it won't. Uh, without self-discipline, it will not take you very far, perhaps, or it will not take you to the end of the journey. Mm -hmm. Because some days motivation is something that is very fluid, right? Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. And then self-discipline, it is a, a conductor wire. It is a, it's a more stable uh, aspect that can uh, help you on this journey. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And then, now we get to the conclusion of, of our argument. Time flies when we are having fun. Mm -hmm. um, so we have introduced what is grammar. Uh, and we have uh, talked about this idea of... 100% grammar or 0% grammar. This was our introduction. We have learned um, uh, the arguments for grammar, why grammar can be beneficial, and then we discuss it. It's good for comprehension. We talked about uh, this idea of uh, grammar adding structure and variety. And we also talked about the uh, grammar builds the foundation that will hold your language together, especially your second language. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also talked about why uh, grammar can be dangerous, uh, this idea of language users versus language knowers, uh, people that know about the language but do, do not know how to use. We talked about that um, obsession with grammar generates perfectionism and perfectionism generates fear of making mistakes and fear of committing mistakes generates a slower development, a more serious interaction with the language. It does not allow you to, to be so creative and experimental. Mm -hmm. And we have also talked about this idea that grammar is not so fun, right? So it's, it's hard to be motivated and to have uh, discipline if you are just doing like oh, studying grammatical rules. That's not uh, intriguing. And now to talk about our conclusion, I, I would like to give a distribution of how much grammar should take in the language studies. Because if we think about, uh, there are two things in the language. That is form, structure, and that is content, right? That is substance. Imagine this cup. This cup has a form, right? It is a little bit. It's it's a fatty cup, not so not so uh, not such a big cup. It is uh, circular in its shape. So this is the form, right? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And then we've got the substance, the content. 
which is water, right? So water. then, uh, water is the substance inside the form. Mm -hmm. We should consider grammar as the form, as the cup. Mm -hmm. And vocabulary, words, um, mm. as the content, right? What is inside. So grammar represents 20% of the language. Words represent 80% of the language. Form, 20%. Substance, 80%. So this is a distribution that I think is interesting to consider with the language. Grammar should occupy around 20% of your contact with English. And the other 80%, it is listening uh, to people speaking in English, music, books, articles, conversations with a teacher or with mm -hmm. someone or with a group. This is 80%. That's why, for example, uh, at Speak Now, we divide fundamentally like this. 80% practice and using the language and 20% talking about the structure and understanding why and how we speak like that, how and why we use it. So we don't, we don't obsess over grammar, nor completely eliminate it. Mm -hmm. We simply uh, uh, give it the importance that it can have. That is fundamentally 20% of uh, 100% with the contact with the language. The other mm -hmm. 80 being focused on listening, speaking, reading, uh, and writing, right? Using the language, mm -hmm. uh, understanding, comprehending, and producing. I see, I see. You you made me think of something. Like, uh, the, the method that I was first working within was um, within uh, teaching English, right? The, the first contact that I had, uh, I, I believe... The methodology in in that in that at that time uh, that I was familiar with uh, the first methodology in which I taught in was a lot based on um, audiolingual method. Yeah, so the learner is speaking, is using the language. All right, because they need to communicate. But they are really creating things? Are they really using the language meaningfully or are they just repeating? I uh, mean, repeating empty sentences. Yeah, things that don't even, that cannot even relate to their reality. How efficient is that? I mean, you need grammar to be meaningful. Somehow, when, when right, you think yeah, yeah, totally, language, right? totally. If you can connect the study of grammar and uh, the study of the form, 20%, with a meaningful interaction with the words, that uh, this combination potentializes because you are receiving uh, auditory stimulus, visual stimulus, emotional stimulus, mm -hmm. intellectual ideas you are re remembering about your day or 
thinking about that and expressing your opinion, that is much more meaningful and effective than simply repeating um, sentences that are decontextualized or empty of meaning for the person that is using it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, second part is this idea of theory versus practice. Uh, um, and then I want to return to the idea of the traffic rules mm -hmm. because, Gabi, can you learn how to drive just by reading the traffic rules or the manual of your car? I don't think so. Exactly. No. We cannot learn simply by theory. Can mm -hmm. we learn how to play the piano simply by reading the music sheet? No, of course not. No. We need then what? We need to practice. That that's why we have the practical lessons in driving school and we have uh piano lessons with a teacher that will help you not only read the 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 music sheet, but how to perform that song. Exactly, right? So it is this importance of grammar, uh, of this importance of the theory, but also the practice. And the pra practice should occupy a bigger time than the mm -hmm. theory. Mm -hmm. And then to wrap up, mm -hmm. uh, we return to what Martin said, that mm -hmm. he contextualizes grammar. He contextualizes grammar for his life, for his activities, for his day-to-day, -day, uh, for his opinions. And that's the secret. That's how we conclude. If I could summarize in a short idea would be, yes, grammar is important, but we should not study it exclusively. Mm -hmm. We should focus it 20% of our study, the rest 80% using the language and getting in touch with the language. Um, and also, um, uh, when once we get in touch with grammar, putting that in context, putting that in the context that for us is relevant. Mm -hmm. That is connected to what our reality is, yeah, what we experience in life. Fundamentally, if you're mm -hmm. learning simple present, talking about your day, uh, daily life, what you sometimes do, what you always do, what you never do, what someone that you like does, what someone that you like doesn't do, what someone that you don't like does, what someone that you don't like doesn't do. <laughs> now, now our audience is getting confused. Yeah, yeah. talking about people, uh, if you are using that is and that are, you can talk about your house, you can talk about your city, mm -hmm. uh, verb to be, how you can introduce yourself, how you can talk describe about things. describe things, um, describing people. Mm -hmm. So, using reality to produce the language. And that's it. We our time is finished. Oh, now it's yeah. 2 p.m. Thanks uh, for sticking with us. Thanks for watching us. Uh, this was the second episode. Thanks for staying until the end. Uh, we will make sure to continue bringing relevant content for the next episodes in this series. Next week we have the third episode, and after that, it, not in the following week, but in the Next one, 
there will be the last episode in this series. Exactly. I would like to say thank you, Gabi, for the reflection. Thank you. I thank you. Uh, people that have uh, uh, been in touch with us while we were uh, participating in the chat. That. Yeah. Best wishes, Gabi.